630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. About to get underway. At Rogers Place, they're taking on Prince Albert tonight. In the NHL, just three games. The Predators lead the Red Wings 2-1 late in the second period. Arizona and the Islanders tied 2-2 early in the third. And with about 13 minutes left in the third, Columbus is up 3-2 on Columbus. CFL tonight, Calgary and Toronto just getting underway. Ottawa leads Hamilton 27-18 with five minutes left in the third quarter. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. Well, fun time. For the Edmonton Oilers, they are 4-1 and one to start the season. They will take part in the Heritage Classic against Winnipeg on Sunday afternoon. And several Oilers greats will take to the ice tomorrow for the alumni game. One of them, Glenn Anderson, who joins us on the line now. Glenn, tell me a little bit about the vibe in Winnipeg. What's it like being there for the game? Oh, it's incredible. We had uh, around six, 7,000 people just at practice today. It was uh very exciting and uh it's definitely a blast from the past so the 80s teams are reunited tell me a little bit about the practice do you fall your do you find yourselves falling into some of the old drills you did under sather and muckler or or how does it get going (laughs) oh yeah basically i think it was we had about a 45 minute practice and uh we did uh about five drills that uh were embedded in us from the 80s so it was just like clockwork and old school like riding a bike in the old days and um and then we scrimmaged for a good 10-15 minutes which was awesome and uh we're exhausted by the end of it (laughs) well apparently your practices in the 80s were pretty exhausting too because some guys claim they were tougher than the games any truth to that (laughs) uh yeah because we did a lot of flow and uh, flow drills and regrouping and today was basically the same a lot of crisscrossing and uh, we tried to avoid each other as much as possible without colliding so it was a lot of flow and reminders of the 80s for sure uh, who who takes the the leadership with one, running the drills I mean is it Messier or, or Gretzky or is it uh, one of the one of the more recently retired guys who's kind of the coach out there well, um, both Sather and Muck were on the bench. So John Muckler and Glenn Sather were sitting on the bench, and uh, Ronnie Lowe got his gear on and just kind of like old times. So, you know, being the, uh, a player and then a coach after, a, a great goaltender, Ronnie Lowe um, kind of said, let's do uh, just like old school and get her going. And I said, well, not too long. You know, it's like we've got to keep it easy. <laughs> Do you do you skate a lot these days, or how how active are you on the ice? Uh, no, not a, not much at all. I don't think there are a lot of guys that skate anymore. At uh, there, a lot of guys are closing in on sixty years old. So this could be our last kick at the cat, and the last time we do this. I think the last time was uh, two thousand and three in Edmonton. I think was the first Heritage Classic. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, Ryan Smith obviously is recently retired, and I don't know if you knew this. He's playing senior hockey at the AAA level for the Stony Plain Eagles. So was was Ryan a little more in game shape than some other guys or what? 
Well, um, you know, they, they didn't pay to come in to see us practice. They paid, <laughs> paid to see us play tomorrow. So hopefully everybody's saving themselves for tomorrow. But I'm sure uh, there was no masseuse at the end of the day. So we were, uh, we got to rest up for tomorrow. All right, Glenn Anderson joining us on Inside Sports. I mean, I know there are often reunions with these Oilers teams, and you guys did so well, obviously, in the 80s and in 1990, so it's always special. But um, is, is it still cool to get together and, and, and feel that, that fans still have a connection to you guys and, and your teammates and, and want to meet you or say hi or reminisce? Does that ever get old for you? No, I, I mean, it's... It, when you win and you're on a championship team, basically we won uh, five cups in seven years, and then you know we kind of um, we all got uh, moved on to different teams, Edmonton, uh, from Edmonton to Toronto uh, and New York. Uh, a lot of players went to, and then when we won again in '94, it's just like you know that uh, there were seven Oilers on that team, and uh, it was all. It's always getting back together like yeah you haven't messed missed a step and um the stories and the and the comments are still strong and uh, and fun and once we've uh once you've won a championship with such a great team a family uh you walk the walk of life forever Taking on the Winnipeg Jets uh, in the alumni game tomorrow, and it was back in the Smythe Division era when teams would play each other eight times in the regular season, and then sometimes you would meet them in the playoffs. What do you remember most about some of those Jets teams of that era, Glenn? How good they were. I mean, none of those games came easy, and it was always a battle. I mean, you're playing them eight times in the regular season. You play them a couple times in exhibition, and then how? I mean, if you're going seven more times in the playoffs, you're playing them over 15, 16 times in a year. So that battle gets heated, and and the rivalry is always there. And Winnipeg Jets had a great hockey team, a great hockey town. And, and they had great players with, uh, you know, Paul McClain, Jim Nill, Dale Howard, Chuck, you know, Schmell. They had Lukowicz. They had uh, a tough D with uh, Davey Ellett and um, and uh, Jimmy Mann back in the day. I mean, it, it was not easy. They were, they were very um, well-disciplined and very talented team. And they just, we were just a little better and a little more talented. So it was in the stats, it looked like they were always second best, and um, it was a bad position to be in that they have to come up against us all the time. Yeah, I always thought, you know, as someone who was growing up during that era and looking back, I always kind of think Dale Howarchuk maybe isn't remembered as uh, for as good as he was, you know, because he was going up against you guys and the Flames had the, the Neuendikes and Flurries of the World and all that. But uh, Dale was a pretty, pretty standout player. I don't know if people always remember that. He was. You don't know how good a player is until you practice with him. And when I ended up towards the end of my career, I ended up playing with him for a couple of years in St. Louis. And like just the little moves and how smart he is with the puck and without the puck. He knows exactly where to go and uh, how to make a play, how to make the game easy. It's an easy game when you play with such great Hall of Fame players as Dale Howarchuk. And, Glenn, before I let you go, I, I should ask you a quick question about the current season. The Oilers are 4-1. and one. Fans are really encouraged about 
beating St. Louis last night, a team that the Oilers have often had trouble with. And, and I mean, I don't know how much of McDavid you've seen, but you were a fast player in your time. But uh, I think he's he's found a new level when it comes to the speed. Well, it was great at uh, at lunch today. Kevin Lowy goes, "You got to see this," and uh, he showed me. Um, the goal by Lucic uh, that he crossed over and um, pulled the defenseman over towards him and then fed it into the middle of the ice and I uh, just went, wow, that's like uh, old school there and like just just a smart, heady player. Players going in the right place at the right time. And then the other one was uh, the empty net goal where um, basically he pulled away from a player within two strides. He was from blue line to blue line and I mean, back in the day, I was quick, but I don't remember being that fast. It was like, uh, if you put your head down for a second with a guy that skates that fast, you're making offside passes. So you've got a split second to make that play. You need heady defense and to get him the puck early and as often as possible. He's going to be fun to watch, and it'll be fun to see you and the rest of the Oilers alumni on the ice tomorrow, Glenn. Th- I know you're busy, so thank you so much for taking time for us on Inside Sports tonight. Uh, it was great. Anytime. Enjoy. Right on. That is Glenn Anderson checking in tonight, and we'll have coverage from the alumni game from 2 to 3.30 tomorrow right here on 6.30 Chet. The thing I remember most about Glenn Anderson, to me, his signature play, left-hand shot cutting in off the right wing, left knee extended out to try to give himself a little bit of room, going in fearlessly, cutting in front, going up high against the goaltender. That was, to me, Anderson's signature move. Obviously a great player, one of the uh, top guys for the Oilers during their heyday in the the late 1980s and the late 1990s. And as he mentioned, one of seven Oilers, who uh, ex-Oilers, who wound up winning the Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in 1994. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We'll have a little more from other alumni members getting ready for that game tomorrow. And Morley Scott checking in on the Eskimos as they get back into game action tomorrow. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Jay Onright from FS1, or from Athabasca. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. The biggest Bob Layton fan in the world, Jay Onright, checking in tonight. By the way, Bob Layton, I believe, was rapping in his editorial yesterday. Bob's a hip dude. By the way, Matthew, I just couldn't help but notice there. So... 630 Chet, owned by Chorus Entertainment. Chorus Entertainment recently, within the last year, bought Global Television, correct? Yep. And we've always had a good relationship with with Global. We just had a commercial for a show on CBC that's on during Inside Sports. (laughs) What's going on? The show is called Hello, Goodbye. Oh, thanks for reminding people. Yeah. The, show, the show's on before Inside Sports is over. So say so, hello to Inside Sports and goodbye to CBC, right? How does that happen? Hey, Good everybody question. do me a favor. Don't watch that show on CBC. What show? We don't even know what the show is. There's no, there's no show. Fake commercial we ran. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what's on CBC anymore these days besides the National and Hockey Night in Canada, which is still on CBC even though CBC doesn't own the show anymore? Is Good Snow question. Job still on? Well, isn't isn't, isn't <laughs> this hour as 22 minutes still on, or is that... Is that still going? Well, it's Rick probably Mercer's still going. still on there. 
What's that? Rick Mercer report. A Mercer report still on, I believe, is it not? Rick Mercer? <laughs> Somebody just texted in. Hello, goodbye is on. I'm turning off the radio now. It's not on till 830. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's proof the CBC commercial didn't have any impact. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's next? Coronation Street, Halsey's favorite show is still on there. Oh. We all love Coronation Street. We all watch it. Coronation Street. That theme is amazing. Is it? Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't identify the Coronation Street if my life depended on it. There's a lot I couldn't do if my life depended on it. It's a good thing my life depends depend. <laughs> the, the guy just wrote back, okay, I'll listen until 8.30. Thank you. <laughs> uh, seriously, though. Uh, Joseph says, Joseph texting in, Hey, Reed, can you ask Jay to let me know the next time he's in Athabasca so I can get his autograph? <laughs> uh, tell you what, Joseph. If you're comfortable doing this, text me your mailing address and I'll send it to Jay and ask you to send an autograph. And Jay's, uh, Jay's a friendly enough and crazy enough guy. He might do it. Though he might not, but I, I promise I will ask. Uh, Southside Rob says, hello again, Reed. I was fortunate enough to play against Glenn Anderson and the 1980 Canadian Olympic hockey team in 79-80 when I was playing for the University of Calgary Dinos. We and the U of A Golden Bears beat them 5-4 and 4-1 in exhibition play right before they went to Lake Placid. Interesting that the uh, United States uh, interesting that Canada beat the United States in most pre-Olympic games and then went on to win the gold medal. I loved hockey in the 80s. Uh, best ever in my opinion. Glenn Anderson, one of the best ever. That is from Southside Rob. Yeah, the United States didn't do very well in the pre- I mean, I don't, think they, I don't think they beat the Soviet Union in any pre-tournament games right? And then beat them when it mattered in the tournament. I know Southside Rob has texted in before about playing for the UFC Dinos in uh, in that era. So that's cool, Rob. Thanks for that story. Uh, what did you play against Randy Gregg as well? Southside Rob? I think he was on that team too. Will Capaldi says, when do the Oilers look at trying to offer Chris Russell a long-term contract? I don't think that that gets explored, quite frankly. Uh, I mean, I think he's probably a bit of a – now he's playing well – but I think if he is an Oiler again, it's another short-term contract. But I, but I think he's come in and, and done a good job. Uh, this, <laughs> this texter says, Hello, Oilers. Goodbye, Flames. Hello, playoffs. Goodbye, early golfing. Well, I hope so. And Propane Tank says, So far in our early season... The fortuitous revelation is the play of Chris Russell, who's winning some people over, which is nice to hear. Uh, and uh, only Joseph is allowed to, or only Joseph from is allowed to send his ad. People are sending in their addresses, so I, I'm not going to send Jay all these addresses to send autographs to. Just Joseph to text it in. And I can tell your phone number, so, you know. <laughs> Jay might do it, though. He's that type of guy. 
Dale Howarchuk remembering the Oilers in the 1980s. When you get a chance to play against uh, the type of players like that every, you know, quite often in your own division, uh, that's why you signed up to play this game. You know, play with the best against the best, and uh, they were definitely the best in that decade. Alumni game tomorrow at 2. We'll have coverage right here on 6.30 Chet. Eskimos game tomorrow as well. Morley Scott with the preview next. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30, Chad. 30-11, here's Mike Riley, takes the drop, waits and throws, and he's going deep. He's got a man deep downfield, Adarius Bowman. Oh, oh my what? goodness, what a catch by Adarius Bowman. You won't see many better than that. Bowman went up in the air, two hands on the football, came down hard and hung onto it. What a catch by Bowman. Come on. John White's got a pair as he takes it to the end zone for another touchdown for the Eskimos. They are piling on the Montreal Alouettes, 36-11. That was the last time the Eskimos played. They routed the Montreal Alouettes on Thanksgiving Monday. They had a bye week and now back at it tomorrow visiting the BC Lions. We'll have it for you on 6.30. Chad, 3.30 for the pregame show, which will be after our coverage of uh, the alumni game at the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg. Kickoff at 5 between the Eskimos and the Lions and play-by-play voice Morley Scott joining us now. Morley, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good, I'm good, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Great to have you back on the show. Great to be talking Eskimos again after the bye week as uh, things continue to, to uh, shake down, become a little more clear, and it looks like... Well, we're not quite there yet. There's still over a quarter left, but Ottawa trying to win tonight and clinch first place in the East for the second straight year, which could have an impact on the Eskimos because that is a potential playoff opponent and not just in the Grey Cup. Yeah, it sure is. It's a weird situation. I mean, we were looking at it yesterday, and the Eskimos have made the playoffs, that we know, but we just don't know where or who they'll be playing against. They could be playing at home. They could be playing in Winnipeg. They could be playing in BC. They could be playing in Hamilton. They could be playing in Ottawa. I think they could even be playing in Toronto or Montreal. Uh, so yeah, the door's wide open, but you're right. Uh, a trip to Ottawa for a playoff game and not a great cup game uh, it could be in the offing for the Eskimos. Um, the the team here is is in the middle of a stretch that obviously we identified as incredibly unusual. Forty two games, uh, pardon me, forty two days between home games. Uh, a stretch here of five weeks on the schedule with a bye week and four road games. Uh, I will say this: uh, a lot of complaining with fans and media about the schedule, not just for the Eskimos, but some oddities all around the league this year, but. Has the team stuck with the approach that they had, you know, last year when they had their bye weeks widely separated? Have they kind of said, you know, what's the point complaining about it? We got to play these teams anywhere, so let's not act defeated about it before we even play the games. Yeah, I always remember a line that Daryl Sutter once said to me uh, uh, when he was coaching the Calgary Flames. He says, uh, "There's two things you can complain about, but you can't change. That's your relatives and your schedule. <laughs> and uh, nope, you got a bad schedule. You just got to play it. There's nothing they can do about it." Uh, it came out last, what, January or February, and they knew at that point that they were going to have a tough finish to the season. And we were talking to uh, head coach Jason Moss about that today, and he said, unfortunately, they went into it and they said, we got to have a good first 12 games because the last six is going to be tough. 
unfortunately, they didn't have the first 12 games that they wanted to have. They didn't play as well. They didn't win as many as they wanted to, and it kind of really put them in a hole. But so far, so good. They've won three straight, one at home, two on the road. they still got two games to go on this road trip of sorts uh, tomorrow here in Vancouver. Then a week from tonight, they'll be in Hamilton to play the Hamilton Tiger Cats in their final regular season road game of the year. So uh, they've handled it pretty well. And, and, you know, the one thing the Eskimos do do well is, you know, they charter and uh, they time it out pretty quick. They're barely in a city for 24 hours when they when they play a game. I mean, they, they landed this afternoon, I think, around 2 o'clock in Vancouver, and uh, they'll leave right after the game tomorrow night and sleep in their own beds tomorrow night. So it's not as difficult as it was in the old days, especially when you're traveling commercial and you got to stay overnight a second night and you got to get up early to catch an early flight and everything. So uh, they're doing their best to give the players as much rest and make this stretch of games as easy as possible. But everyone's kind of, I think, a little late back right now because they played what like five games in 26 days or something like that yep. now they're playing one in 22 days i think it is right. so it's it's a different <laughs> feeling everybody's you know after a bye week especially everybody's feeling pretty rested and pretty rejuvenated and ready to go i know that talking to jason moss again today and he just said i didn't realize how tired i was until we started flying home from the montreal game and he just said it just kind of all hit me at that point the busy stretch they've been in and and, and everything that they've gone through to that point and really started looking forward to some time off at that point. I think everybody enjoyed getting a week off, and it's much better than last year where they had the final week of the season off and then went into the playoffs after the, the bye week in the playoffs. Now they get a chance to rest, recoup a little bit, and still play three games to get their game sharp and where they want for the playoffs. All right. Just uh, updating here, uh, Hamilton and Ottawa are now... Uh, I believe they're now tied, Morley. The CFL website is, is not updating. Uh, yeah, it's now 30. Sorry, I gave an old score there because the website froze. It's now 33-33. You want Ottawa and Hamilton. So Hamilton has, has stormed back and uh, Toronto 7-6 lead. The first time Toronto has had a lead in five games. They're up 7-6 that's in, on Calgary. That's incredible. Yeah, that's the game. I know they switch games on, on TSN 1 and in a hotel. You usually get TSN 1. So uh, we got the Calgary game now, and uh, Ricky Ray's looked pretty sharp actually coming back his first time that he's played in a while. Yeah, he's good. I don't know if anybody in Edmonton ever noticed that. But, uh, rumor, rumor has it. <laughs> it, it. In terms of what's going on with the Eskimos, uh, are there, I believe injuries are forcing a couple of lineup changes tomorrow? Yeah, a couple of, a couple of key lineup changes, too. I mean, uh, as I... You know, as, as you look at the offensive line, it's always, you know, the most important guys. They talk about the center and the left tackle. And it's the left tackle who's out in Tony Washington who has been protecting Mike Riley's blind side for about three years now. And he's become very accustomed to him playing there. But he's out for the game tomorrow. And Joel Figueroa will come in. Now, the good news is, Reed, this is Figueroa's first game as an Eskimo. Uh, but the good news is it's far from his first game in the CFL. He's a very veteran player. Uh, he's played, I think, 26 starts in Hamilton. He's played in two Grey Cup games, so he knows all about the CFL and, and stepping in. Talking to, to, to Moss today, he just said the, his only concern is just the rust factor and, and getting into into game speed. He says he has no doubt he's going to be able to play and play well. He's an experienced player who's been around the league, and he's been, I mean, you got to give him some kind of credit because he's been sitting patiently waiting. The Eskimos signed him just before training camp, and uh, he's practiced every day for, uh, what, 17 straight weeks now and finally uh, gets a chance to play in the uh, in the what the third last game of the season so he is in at left tackle and the other change is at the halfback spot where uh, Gary Peters comes in to start for Brandon Thompson I think Brandon Thompson since his arrival mid-season he's been the best Eskimo defensive back 
doesn't get a lot of defensive tackles because teams don't throw his way very often. And uh, they'll miss him out of the lineup. Gary Peters, who's been pretty good as well in a limited role in a couple of starts. He moves over from where he's played most of his time on the on the wide side in for Watkins or Young. He moves over to start at uh, on the wide side now with uh, uh, with Court Parks on that side. So uh, Gary Peters is in, and he'll get, uh, I think it's his third start of the season. Morley, Shakir Bell and John White have both had big games over the last, uh, well, I guess on this three-game winning streak. How much of that is related to execution, and how much of that do you think is related to more of a commitment in play calling to use the back? Well, John White has uh, run for nine, has carried the ball 19 times in both the last two games, and that's a, a number we haven't seen a lot from the Eskimos uh, this season, that high amount of carries. So I think there's a little bit more of a commitment to the run game. But don't forget, coaches will go to the run game when it's successful. If it's not successful early, coaches will start throwing the football. And I think the fact that John White and Shakir Bell, when they've been in the lineup, have had success early, that's allowed Jason Moss to keep it in the mix and and keep calling run plays. Uh, And then it's been successful because the O-line is doing such a terrific job opening up some holes and uh, allowing White and Bell to get the yards uh, that, that they've, been, uh, they, they've been getting the last uh, few games. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a combination of everything coming together at the right time. And also, the Eskimos had the lead in, in games, right, in the third and fourth quarters. So that means you're going to go to the run game as well to get the clock uh, chewed up a little bit. All right. Well, it's going to be fun tomorrow. I mean, the BC Lions have lost three of their last four. They have all been close, including a loss to the Edmonton Eskimos. Can you tell me what are the Lions doing at running back? Because they've been going back and forth, haven't they? Yeah, they've been mixing it up. They have uh, they have Jeremiah Johnson as listed as uh, their first guy in their depth chart uh, for this game, and Anthony Allen, who is uh, who is the other guy they go to in the lead spot. He's fourth on the depth chart behind Rainey and Shaq Murray Lawrence. So I think Allen will be a healthy scratch in the game tomorrow, and they'll go with Johnson in that running back position, who has played a little bit more, but not much. I mean, Johnson's got 97 carries. Allen's got 87 carries. Uh, so the, the yardage is, is pretty close as well. But uh, they like Johnson back there, and he's, he's done a pretty good job the last couple of games. So it looks like that's who they're going to go with tomorrow. And they also mixed in Chris Rainey in the backfield as well a little bit when he's not returning, uh, and that gives them a totally different look coming out of their backfield as well. So it's a, it's a real position that's that, uh, kind of weird for the Lions. They've got a lot of production out of it from different guys all season long. Well, Rainey's dangerous. I, I know he had that key fumble against Winnipeg last week on the kick return, mm-hmm. but he's uh, he's one. He might be the fastest. Well, I guess Brandon Banks, who by the way, I guess he's suspended now, isn't he? Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, Rainey's one of the faster guys. Morley Scott joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chat. Hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the uh, two thousand and three Heritage Classic as the Oilers get ready to play another one on uh, Sunday. You and Rod did that game, didn't you? Yes, we did. Uh, we did that game from uh, the booth I work from now for football. It, it, was, uh, it was a real great day. Uh, that was the first crack at it all, right? So they did everything in one day. Since then, they've, they've kind of split everything up with the alumni game. used to go on the day before and then the, the game itself the next day. But, yeah, it was a great memory. The one thing I remember uh, most about the game, well, there's uh, several things I remember, and, of course, the the visual of Wayne Gretzky and, and Mark Messier shoveling snow <laughs> off the ice and dumping over the boards that I'll never forget because that you know we all grew up doing that at some point in our lives didn't we but I, I remember uh, it was I don't know what the temperature was but it was cold it was like in the minus twenties at some point and uh, 
there was a, a, a sponsored thing came on, and, and I don't know who it was. One of the local weathermen comes on and, and does a spot on the big screen, and he talked about how uh, the temperature is going to start to warm up starting tomorrow. We're going to get up into minus single digits. And everybody started to boo in the crowd. You know, they were all freezing, and they realized that the temperature was going to warm up tomorrow when they're all back in the office or back at home, and they all started to boo. It's kind of funny at that time. But it's a great memory. It's a great idea. I, I think a couple of years ago, the NHL went crazy and did too many outdoor games, but it's it's just right now doing two, three a year, whatever, and it, it still adds that excitement to it. So it should be a great day in Winnipeg. I know uh, I know that's a great stadium that they're going to be playing the game in, and I, I saw, I've seen some pictures on Twitter and stuff about the preparations, and it looks like it's going to be a fantastic afternoon in Winnipeg, a couple of afternoons in Winnipeg tomorrow and on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, Jay Lynn asked me earlier, has, has the NHL jumped the shark with these? And I said, well, I, I don't think so because every city wants them. And maybe you don't pay as much attention to it if it's not your team hosting it or as the visiting team. But I, I yeah. think there, I think there's still a lot of hype that because it could be, I mean, I know some teams have hosted more than one, but for a lot of teams, it could be a once in a franchise opportunity to host an outdoor game. Yeah, and I think to a certain extent it's become a more of a local thing than a national thing. On a national level, I think people, ah, the New Year's Day one's kind of cool. We all watch that. Maybe if there's one in Canada, we'll watch that. But to a certain extent, it's become a, you know, more of a, a local thing than a national thing. But it's big locally. I mean, it's something that, you know, we've been in Winnipeg twice to play games already this year, and there was already a lot of talk about it, first in the summertime and then uh, in uh, in late September when we were there to play the Blue Bombers. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty good day. It's going to be a pretty good time. Everyone's going to have a great time at it. Everyone's going to be cold, and everyone's going to be proud of the fact that they tossed it out. And, uh, you know, there's going to be, I don't know how many people, there's going to be 30,000 people there in 10 years. There'll be 50,000 people saying they were there. Morley, always great to have you on the show, buddy. Really looking forward to see the Eskimos get back at it tomorrow. Another big game against the Lions. We'll uh, sure hear you on the airwaves. There's, Sorry. There's, I was going to say, there's a real good playoff atmosphere around this game. Everybody's talking about uh, how important this game is on both sides of it. I mean, whoever wins tomorrow has the upper hand uh, on third place. The Eskimos will move into third place and have the tiebreaker with it because of the tie with the Lions. If they win it, Lions will really stay in the race for second place with, with uh, Winnipeg if they win it too. So as um, as Wally Buono said at his news conference today, he said it's as close as you're going to get to a playoff game with an opportunity for the loser to still play next week. So uh, there's a lot of hype around this game. It's going to be really good, I think. Right on. Morley, always appreciate you having, on the, having you on the show. I will see you. Uh, you got the Eskimo show Monday, right? Yes, yes. I do. I will see you then. All right. Take care, buddy. Okay, Reed. Thanks. Bye-bye. That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for your Eskimos here on 630 Chad and host of the Eskimo Show Monday from 8 to 9. It's 747. The Argos still leading the Stamps 7-6. They are early in the uh, second quarter. We'll update you on the NHL scores as well, tell you how the Oil Kings are doing. We'll get to a couple of texts to 630-630. Phone lines open as well, 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Mark Letestu with an assist last night on Tyler Pitlick's goal. How about Pitlick? Three goals in five games to start the season. Playing a very energetic brand of hockey. Nice tip last night to beat Jake Allen and get the Oilers on the board. They beat the Blues 3-1. They're 4-1. This texture says 630-630 says it's very refreshing to start off with some wins and feel good about the team. Finally, as a diehard fan, it weighs on you to the point you wish you could help 
And it's about time this fan base gets to walk a bit taller. Cheers, oil country. If only the crowd was jamming like we used to. That is from an unnamed texter to 630-630. Thanks for texting in tonight. Phone number 780-496-0063. Glad the Oilers have some wins in the bank. Glad there's a little more optimism and uh, glad they're playing a... uh, a style of hockey that is, uh, I think, a, a little more conducive to grinding out wins. There's going to be tough points to the season. I, I I predicted the Oilers to get to 38 wins. That's probably not enough to get into the playoffs. If they get to 41, which is winning half their games, you got a pretty good shot at making the playoffs. If you look historically at what we've seen since they went to this most, uh, well, to the current, playoff format with the wildcard teams there there have been 38 team win, team win teams that have made the playoffs uh, but generally if you get to 41 you're getting in so maybe one thing to track this season as much as obviously you track points is are the Oilers have they won half their games or more they're off to a good start you know I just as the season goes on and, and you get into some tougher road trips and back-to-back games and you know, play tougher competition and, and face all the ups and downs. I, I just want the Oilers to be able to to grind out points. And I remember la- here here's where I'm coming from with this. I remember last year the Oilers were playing Detroit, so whenever they, they're going to play another team, I start you know, reading some articles about that team, watching a few game highlights or whatever, and they were going to play Detroit, and I was reading all this stuff that the Red Wings were really disappointed, and they only had two wins in their last five, and they were saying we're not getting it done, and then all this kind of stuff. And, and I looked at the Wings' last five games. Yes, they had only won two of their last five, but they had gone two, one, and two over that five-game stretch. So they picked up six of a possible ten points. And I was like, my God, like where the Oilers are at, they they would love to get six out of a possible ten points. So the, the, the little things, the little points you can chip away at, and the good signs for the Oilers bouncing back from a bad loss. They're going to have bad losses again. Can they not let it snowball? And can they beat good teams or find a way to get points? 1-1 after 2 against the St. Louis Blues. Who's going to make a play? Or who's going to make a big mistake? Well, the Oilers made the play, and they didn't make a big mistake, and they got the win. And, you know, for the Oilers, if they have a, they have a five-game road trip coming up, again, can they go can they go 2-1-2 and two instead of going 2-3? and three? If they have a three-game road trip, can they go 1-1-1 one, one, and one instead of going 1-2? and two? L- Little things like that to find extra points along the way. Are, are they better equipped to do that? I, I think they are, but I think it's still going to be very difficult. I know we're going to have tough nights where we're talking about depth or we're talking about the defense or things like that, but uh, but I, I, I do believe they're better equipped to bounce back. They're better equipped to deal with bad things, and I, and I, and I do think they're better equipped to win games in more than one way. Last few years, we've seen if a team was sloppy defensively, let the Oilers skate, the Oilers could win. They certainly still have the ability to do that with McDavid, Eberle, and Dreisaitl. But game like St. Louis with not enough room, you know, they were able to be kind of the more physical team last night. Not saying completely dominant, but they certainly held their own. And nothing wrong with also having the ability to outscore your mistakes 
like they did against the uh, Calgary Flames. And nothing wrong with your goaltender helping you big time like you did against the Carolina Hurricanes. So you can argue, you know, four wins for the Oilers. They've won three different ways, which is encouraging. You can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. A little more Oiler talk as we move along tonight. NHL scoreboard, Blue Jackets beat Chicago 3-2. The Islanders over the Coyotes 3-2. That is good for the Oilers because the Coyotes are in their division. And the Red Wings are up 4-2 on the Predators with seven and a half minutes left. Eight o'clock news, then we're back. Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.